So today we have with us uh, Minister Reverend Devin Oten is going to be speaking. And I was going to actually present his books. I'm going to let him do that and have the usher, Brother Kevin, and another, once he um, says something about the books, I'm going to have you take the box and we're going to set them out on in the back there so people can have one. He would like to have each person each person have one of the books that he has, he has written. Well, come on, bless the Lord in this place. Come on now, that's not for me, it's for him. I'd be pretty satisfied if y'all was praising me. But I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Praise God. You know, it's an honor and a privilege to be here with you this weekend and to see the legacy of the man and woman of God of this house. Your father pastored this place for 50 plus years. And now the mantle is passed on to his son to carry on the work. Praise God. You have no idea how much of a blessing that is because traditionally in our communities, we don't raise our sons up, our daughters up to stay in their position of authority. You realize there was an entire tribe dedicated to taking care of the house of the Lord. So if you were born into that tribe, you were trained to worship the Lord. You were trained to praise the Lord. You were trained to read the scrolls. You had the authority to speak the word of the living God. So we'll have a powerful man of God raised up in our community, and his son doesn't know his place. His daughter, she doesn't know her place as a Levi in the body of Christ. So give the Lord another hand praise for that. The legacy continues. We got his son ministering in this place. We got the wife in this place. We got the daughters, the granddaughters. We got all kind of folks in the family. You must know and understand how much of a blessing this is in this day and this hour. Praise God. I met the man of God uh, about two years ago, he and his wife, at the Pastor Appreciation Luncheon. And I said to myself, that is a man of God. Now, we hear a lot of people walking around saying that they're men and women of God, but there's just something about the heart that we can detect, that we can discern, that says there's a a call, a pull from the anointing on someone's life. And I knew when I met them, there was a pull, a tremendous anointing and calling on their life. If you don't know that, you need to get in line, you need to recognize that, and you need to get behind that. Amen? All right. There's a couple things I want to talk to you about today. And as Pastor said, I have two books that I wrote a few years ago. I want you to have, each of you to have a copy of it. One is Executive Level Mentality. These were written to really challenge an inner city mentality. I'm from New Orleans, Louisiana. Praise God. I'm from the Crescent City. The Big Easy. Praise God. I'm from an area called Carrollton. When I was growing up, we called it nigger town. Now they call it the Black Pearl. Louis Armstrong grew up in that area. Mahalia Jackson came from that area. Matter of fact, she was a friend of my grandmother. Wonderful, tremendous woman. Dorothy Williams. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for her. Thank God for the women in our community. Praise God. I get on my knees every day and thank God for the women in my community. Praise God. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them. Hmm. Well, anyway, executive level mentality was written to change the way we think in the inner city. Challenge our people to think differently. Let's stop thinking ignorantly about who we are, where we can be, and where we can go. Keep in mind, a a church, a body of Christ is a living organism. Just like your body is a living organism, this church is a living organism. And when one person in the church is out of sorts, not feeling well, ill, it affects the entire body of Christ. So if we change the way we think, we can change the way we feel. If we can change the way we feel, we can change the way we perceive. If we can change our perception, we can change our direction. Praise God. Well, anyway, that's what that was written for. The second one is building your dreams. I came from inner city, poor, uh, you know, very destitute, grew up in the projects uh, in New Orleans. 
Uh, but my grandmother wouldn't let me. She would always tell me, she would tell me, she said, Dev, they used to call me Rock when I was growing up because I had a hard head. She said, Rock, let me tell you something. You might live in a project, but do not let the project live in you. So I knew I was going to do everything I could do to get out of the project. So I went to school. I joined the military, had a chance to travel around the world. So now I know what it takes to build a dream. I know what it takes to change a mentality. All right, so I want everyone to have a book. Pick it up. It'll be on the back table, I believe Pastor said. Grab one book. Grab a few of them. Bring to friends. Share with your, 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 your neighbor, your spouse who's not here, et cetera, et cetera. I want you to get your Bibles with me. How many of you have your Bibles? Praise God. Get your Bibles out. And I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 5. And I want you to look at verse 17. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17. If you sit next to someone who has a Bible, you don't have your Bible, please share uh, with the person next to you. 1 Timothy chapter 5. And I want you to look at verse 17. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. I primarily use the New King James Version. Praise God. If you haven't invested in a Strong's Concordance, I recommend you do that. And I was blessed this morning to be able to sit in on some of the Sunday school, and, and the Sunday school teacher did a wonderful job. We had the Hebrew uh, to describe some of the words, which really gave some depth and some breath. So I recommend that you invest in a Strong's Concordance. Somebody say amen. How easy it is for us to invest in Jordans and spinning rims or whatever kind of rims they, they use now. Y'all know how we do. The biggest TV, the latest PlayStation 3 or 4 or whatever number they own now. You need to take the time and invest in your spiritual education. Get you some good Bibles, some good books. Praise God. Something I learned from Dr. Miles Monroe many years ago. He prophesied to me. And uh, he told me, he said, the reason he was in the place he was in terms of his relationship with the Father was because he read. It wasn't necessarily that he read the Bible. It wasn't necessarily that he read, you know, spiritual material in that sense. But he read at least five books a month. At least five books. Come on, I'm challenging you today. Praise God. We got people all the way from Seattle. You know this, a man of God came down to Seattle to be with him on his celebration today. All right, let me read this. First uh, Timothy chapter 5, verse 17 says, Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and in doctrine. Praise God. Let me say this. My wife wasn't able to be here with us today. She really wanted to be here, but she's in New Orleans now picking up our grandkids. And uh, we have four grandkids in New Orleans. We were able to go see our two grandkids in Miami, Florida uh, about a month ago. And I tell you, boy, it is so much fun to be a grandparent. <laughs> I love being a grandparent. I love my grandbabies. Oh, my God. You get to spend time with them, spoil them, hang out with them, fight with them, wrestle with them, and then send them home, Pastor. <laughs> You get to send them home. It's time for y'all to go home. <laughs> I don't want to read the same scripture from the Amplified Bible. It says, the elders who perform their leadership duties well are to be considered worthy of double honor, financial support, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching the word of God concerning eternal salvation uh, through Christ. Yet another one, uh, the Common English Bible, same verse. Elders who lead well should be paid double, especially those who work with public speaking and teaching. Let me give you a couple of definitions. The word honor here, the Greek word is uh, time, which means value. Man, 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 we've got to place a, a tremendous value on our leaders in the body of Christ. It means money paid. Mm, we should be paying some money. 
to those who spend time in the word and come before us and labor before us in the things of God. It says precious price. One of the root meanings, precious price. And another one is highest degree. Greek word for double. I believe it's pronounced debluche, which means twofold more. Twofold more. Now, I want to talk about something specific today. I get a question all the time. You know, I pastored, uh, I was a senior pastor of a church in New Orleans 15 years, New Life Christian Center. Uh, I was an elder, assistant pastor, youth pastor for another seven. Most of my adult life, I've been working in ministry and seeing God move around the world. We've established hundreds of churches around the world, support missionaries around the world. We helped Victor Barus and his family buy a home in Russia. Uh, we helped uh, Bishop uh, Purushita Babu, my, my God-favorite missionary in Southeast India. Helped him establish 500 churches, build schools, uh, uh, build uh, wells for clean, fresh water. We've done some tremendous things with him all over the world. And I get asked all the time, I get this question all the time, what must I do? What should I do? How do I get involved? There are a few things I want to tell you you must do if you're going to be involved in God's purpose for your life. Folks ask me all the time, Pastor. Uh, what must I do to uh, save my marriage? What must I do to help my kid? He's getting in trouble. What do I need to do to find a better job? How do I get a mortgage? I mean, I get these questions all the time. I know you get them all the time too, Pastor. What do I need to do? Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, verse 49. Let me know, Pastor, when the time is pressing. Luke chapter 2, verse 49. I have such a heart for men and women of God because I know what they have to go through. I know what they have to deal with on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis. I, I remember when I would leave my home church and I'd have to travel somewhere for a while. My assistant pastor, uh, we grew up together. We ran the streets together. We got saved together. We served the Lord together. And uh, at the time, I had uh, four elders uh, in, in my ministry with me and when I would leave of course my assistant it was his his function his job to take over and he would tell me all the time pastor when you're coming back <laughs> pastor why do you have to leave because you don't understand you know folks want to grab the mic touch the mic but you have no idea when you receive an assignment from heaven you receive one from hell I'm trying to protect you Pastor, when I'm going to get the mic? Pastor, when I'm going to preach? I want you to be stable enough that when this assignment from hell comes, you can stand it. You can withstand this pressure, this test that's about to come. Praise God. Did I say Luke 2.49? All right. And he said to them, this is the young Jesus. He's developing and growing into his position. He's maturing into his position. Because he was the son of man as well as the son of God. And he said to them, why do you seek me? What are you looking for me for? All them folks who are trying to pull you back into the world. Pull you back into that lifestyle that you came from. Pull you back into the nonsense that so corrupted your mind. Why are you seeking me? You need to tell those people who come to try and pull you back into that nonsense. What are you looking for me for? Didn't I tell you I didn't gave my life to the Lord? I'm trying to do right. I'm trying to move forward in the things of God. Why are you looking for me? Don't call on me anymore unless you want to come to church, unless you want to get on your knees with me right now, unless you want to lift your hands and praise and worship right. Don't look for me. Because the scripture tells me that evil companionship corrupts good behavior, good manners, good morals, good judgment. So Jesus said, why, why are you seeking me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Bow your heads with me. Father, we thank you uh, for the reading of your word. We know that your presence is in this place for where two or three are gathered in your name. You declared you're in our midst. Father, we pray for truth to be spoken today, the anointing to fall and break every yoke in this house. We declare that we all walk in the redemptive work of Christ. 
divine healing, divine protection, divine deliverance, and divine prosperity. Bless the man and woman of God of this house. Continue to increase them. Take them to another level, another dimension, another place in you. Just as you hid Moses in the cleft and showed him your great glory. Hide the man of God, the woman of God in your bosom. Show them your manifested glory. We thank you that they celebrate three years today. The Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. I thank you for all the men and women of God under his covering, under his protection. That's right, saints. He's here to protect you. He's here to cover you. You're not properly covered without a pastor, without a shepherd. You can't be a sheep all by yourself. A wolf is going to get you. Praise God. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus said, I must be about my father's business. I want to recommend something to you for those of you who have smartphones. I see a lot of smartphones in here. There's a, a Bible app that I like to use. Uh, it's the Holy Bible Life Church app. Holy Bible Life. For those of you who are familiar with that, may not be. Uh, download that. Go to your App Store, your Android Store, and download Bible Life Church app. Really neat app. You know, you get a scripture of the day every day. You you can use that when you're in church to to go to your scriptures. It, it gives you alerts of Christian activities taking place in your community. And uh, video clips of Christian movies coming up or Christian videos. Really nice app. I really like that app. All right. All right. First thing. First thing you must do. I must. If you're writing down and you need a title, the title is I must. I must. Jesus said I must be about my father's business. That encompasses a, a number of different things. Number one, you must get into covenant with Jehovah. First thing you need to do is get into covenant with Jehovah. The word Jehovah means the self-existent or eternal one. He's all, he's, he used to tell me when I was growing up, God don't need no matches. He's fire all by himself. He's self-existent. Praise God. Yeah, he didn't need any matches, my sister. He was fire all by himself. He's the self-existent or eternal one. Another meaning for that word Jehovah is beacon. He's a beacon. You know, you guys should know a lot about beacons here. Being in the Bay Area, right near the ocean, right on the bay, they had lighthouses. Those lighthouses represented a beacon for the ship so they wouldn't run uh, uh, up against the rocks and run a, run a land, run on, on land and, and become stuck or even crash. Praise God, we need a beacon so we don't run up on some rocks, so we don't crash. Another root meaning for Jehovah is altogether accomplished. He's altogether accomplished. What you're trying to accomplish, he's already done that. He invented what you're trying to do. Go in your Bibles to Psalms chapter 25. If I'm moving too slow, say, uh, Brother Devin, you're moving too slow, okay? Psalms 25, once you look at verse 12. Covenant, one of the closest words in the English language you and I understand about covenant is the word contract. It's not a good illustration because contracts have loopholes. Contracts are broken. Contracts are sometimes made null and void because of those loopholes. See, when you get in the covenant with our father, there, there are no loopholes. So this is different from a contract. Once you say, you know what, I take the blood of Jesus Christ, I sign, I'm signed, sealed, and delivered in your name, Lord. That's it. It's done. For him putting his hand to the plow and looking back, he's not fit for the kingdom of God. All right, Psalms 25, 12. Are you there? Come on, y'all falling asleep on me in here. Who is the man that fears the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way he chooses. He himself shall dwell in prosperity, and his descendants shall inherit the earth. Wow. I'm trying to leave an inheritance to my children's children. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, and he will show them his covenant. We see that word fear a couple times there. He will show them his covenant. 
Verse 15, my eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. The psalmist is saying, because I'm in covenant with him, he will make sure that my children inherit the earth. He will uh, show me some secret things because I respect him, I reverence him, I honor him. And just because I'm in covenant with him, when my feet fall into the net, he's going to pluck me out. Let me help you understand that when a fish gets caught in the net, it's nearly impossible for him to get out. There's some stuff that you and I do that we should not be able to get out of. But my God, the Lord will pluck your feet. If you're in covenant with him, if you're in this agreement, this arrangement with him, and you understand there's no going back, there's no getting out, you're right there hugged up with him, he'll pluck you out. Thank you, Lord, for plucking me out. Oh, I shouldn't be here today. I shouldn't be here today. But he plucked me out. Somebody say he plucked me out. I don't think y'all believe that. All right, number two. Number two. This is the one we really want to focus on. Number two. Number one is we need to get into covenant with Jehovah. Number two, get hooked into a man sent from God. You know, the difference between fulfilling your purpose in God and not fulfilling your purpose in God is a mentor. God does everything by a mentor-protege relationship. The difference between Saul and David is Saul refused the teaching and instruction, instruction of his eternal mentor, Samuel, but David did. He accepted it. And he became the great king because he accepted his mentor. My God. Jesus mentored 12 men and literally changed the world. Still changing it now. Because he mentored those 12 men. Find you a mentor. If this man of God is not your mentor, you don't feel you can submit to him, you don't feel you can be connected to his purpose, find someone else that you can be connected to because you will not fulfill what God has for you to do unless you have a mentor. My pastor would call me 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning. I was a college student at the time. I'm sleeping. And he would say, oh, baby, did I wake you up? I'm like, pastor, I'm fine. I'm good. What you need? He said, oh, man, pastor just wanted to call and speak to you for a minute. I said, okay, pastor, I'm putting my clothes on. I'm on my way. Now, he pastored a church of hundreds. But he had some that he knew was a protege to him being a mentor. On my way, I stopped at the local grocery store. I knew his favorite was uh, German chocolate cake. And he loved Bluebell homemade vanilla ice cream. I don't think y'all know about Bluebell here. Y'all don't know about that Bluebell. So I stopped, get his Bluebell, get his German chocolate cake, walk in the door, go to the kitchen, cut him a slice of cake, scoop him up some ice cream, sit down on the sofa, and we'd just sit there, and he wouldn't say anything. Until the next morning. He just needed me to be there. He just needed me to be around and experience the presence of God in his life. I learned so many lessons from him because he was my mentor. Sometimes I get there, Pastor, and he just, he'd get his Bible out. He'd say, babe, is all right if Pastor preach? I say, preach, Pastor. And he'd just preach revelation on top of revelation. God was giving me the foundation that I needed. I'm challenging you to call the man of God. See where he is. Get close to him. Find out what his favorite cake is, his favorite ice cream. You already know. (laughs) Get hooked into a man of God or a man sent from God. Deuteronomy 31. Get to Deuteronomy 31. I I need to pick up the pace here a little bit. Deuteronomy 31, I want to read verse 6 through verse 8. Get hooked into a man of God. My God. Deuteronomy 31, 6 through 8. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6 through 8. Pastor, this is a blessed church, a blessed body, blessed community. 
So many great things the Lord has uh, for you to do in this community. Praise God. Some things you hadn't seen yet or been revealed to you yet. There's some tremendous things he has for you to do. Please call on me anytime you need me to come and serve and and dig and, and trench and and weed out and plant. Whatever it is, call on me. Get hooked into a man sent from God. It says in Deuteronomy 31 verse 6, be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Thank you, Lord. He won't leave me or forsake me. Verse 7, then Moses called Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, be strong and of good courage. He's repeating that. Be strong and of good courage. For you must go with this people. You see that word must again? You must go with this people. The man of God, the great apostle Moses, tells uh, the young man of God, Joshua, you must go with these people. Praise God. Y'all have no idea how hard it is to pastor people. Oh, it's tough to pastor people. Praise God. Don't get mad at me. I'm just telling you. It's hard to pastor people. We love you. Praise God. All right, so Moses tells him, be strong, good courage. You must go with this people to the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them. I want you to get this last part. And you shall cause them to inherit it. God told them it's theirs. God showed them the way. He laid out the map. Moses comes and says, yeah, it's yours. God said it's yours. It's for you and your descendants, your children after you for a thousand generations, whatever the case may be. But you need Joshua to cause you to inherit it. You need a man that I sent to cause you to inherit what I have for you. Y'all ain't saying nothing here today. Oh, man. And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. It's interesting if you take account of what he's saying here. God is giving you this, but he wants the man of God, Joshua, to lead you into this, cause you to inherit it. And understand, even if the man of God doesn't do what he's supposed to do, I'm not going to leave you or forsake you. So you don't need to fear or be dismayed. Some people say, I can't go to church because these pastors, they keep doing this, that, and the other. God said, I don't care what he do. I'm going to stay connected to you, baby. I got your back. David was something else. But God has some choice words about him. He was the apple of his eye. He was a man after his own heart, but he was a man. Oh, my God. Man of God is not perfect. None of us are. The scripture tells me that we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none good. No, not one. I love that language, the way they spoke. There's none good. No, not one. <laughs> all right. Go to Second Samuel chapter 23. Second Samuel chapter 23. We're still talking about getting hooked into a man of God. If you're with me, say amen. amen. Praise God. All right. Second uh, Samuel chapter 23, verse 1. I love David. David just, that guy, there was something else. Second Samuel chapter 23, verse 1. It says, now these are the last words of David. Thus says David, the son of Jesse. Interesting, in our Sunday school lesson, we, we talked about where David's lineage came from and talked about Ruth and how, you know, Jesse, his father, and so on and so forth. Very good teaching, uh, my sister. Very good teaching this morning. But uh, thus says the man raised on high. I love it. David talking about himself. Son of Jesse, thus says the man raised on high. <laughs> the anointed of God of Jacob, the God of Jacob, and the sweet psalmist of Israel. He said, I'm raised up high and I'm the sweet psalmist of Israel. Think about that for a minute. Your pastor is going from the organ to the keyboard. From the keyboard to the organ. Sweet psalmist. My God, the spirit of the Lord spoke to me and his word was on my tongue. 
The God of Israel said, the rock of Israel spoke to me. He who rules over men must be just. I want you to highlight that in your Bible. He who rules over men must be just. The word just means lawful and righteous. One thing that I I instantly picked up on, on the pastor of this house was that he was a lawful, righteous man. Lawful and righteous. So David said, he who rules over men must be just. Ruling in the fear of God. And he shall be like the light of the morning when the sun rises. I want you to get that. He's talking about the man of God. He's not talking about Father God. He said, the just man, he will be like the light of the morning when the sun rises. A morning without clouds. Mm -hmm. Hooked into a man of God. There are no rainy days. There are no cloudy days. Like the tender grass uh, springing out of the earth by clear shining rain. He's describing our relationship to a man of God. Number three. I wanted to spend more time there, but number three. Get around blessed people. Look at your neighbor and say, get around blessed people. My grandmother used to tell me all the time, birds of a feather flock together. She said, stop hanging around them because you're going to get yourself in a world of trouble. She knew what she was talking about. One went to jail. One was murdered. One who was my, one of my closest friends, he's, he's on drugs real bad. She told me to stay from around that. Corrupt your, your good behavior. That was Bible she was spitting at me. Go to Luke 19. Luke 19. I want you to look at verse 1. Praise God. Father, don't let me upset their religion today. (laughs) Y'all know we cling to our traditions and our religion. Hallelujah. All right. Uh, Luke chapter 19, verse 1 says, Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. Somebody say Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector. He was ruthless. Tax collector. I tell you, those tax collectors today are ruthless. They will garnish your wages. They will take money out of your bank account. (laughs) They're ruthless. That's nothing new. Zacchaeus, he was a chief tax collector, and he was ruthless. And the scripture says he was rich. IRS collect more money than they can keep track of. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was short of stature. He was a little dude trying to get close. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. Him should be capitalized. You know, the sycamore tree was a fragrant tree. It was a tree that had delightful shade. There's something in that about that. He decided to get up into a sycamore tree because more than likely Jesus was going to pass by there because it gave great shade and it was hot that day, pretty sunny, and it had a nice fragrance to it. And, you know, Jesus always had multitudes following him. And I'm pretty sure, you know, there were some odors out there. And it was an opportunity for him to pass by a sweet-smelling tree and get some delightful shade. Scripture says, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down, for today I must stay at your house. I must stay at your house. Interesting thing about Jesus that we don't talk about a lot is the people that Jesus called to follow him, the twelve, they came from money. Read your Bible. Some of them were commercial fishermen. They left their father Zebedee in the ship. Read what it says after that. They left him in the ship with the hired servants. I don't care what age you live in, you don't have hired servants unless you got money. You know why he called those kind of people to go with him on this wonderful, magnificent journey? It's because, see, people with a poor mentality, a poverty mentality, the minute they stepped off to go on the journey, oh, Jesus, I got to go back. 
I forgot that we got to pay the light bill. We got to pay this, we got to do that. Complaining and, and murmuring. He said, I can't take the kind of people with me because, see, I'm on, a, I'm on a mission here. So I need people who got some backing, some financial backing. Jesus' closest friends, when you look at his closest friends, we're going to look at uh, them in a minute. They had money. You know why? Because when you're on a journey and you, you're coming in, you need to be able to go into a nice house. Take a bath. Take a shower. Have something real good to eat, some good wine to drink. Some music playing to soothe the savage beasts. Y'all not hearing me. Now, I'm not trying to upset the apple cart here. I'm just telling you what the Lord has taught me over the years that served me in ministry very well. So Jesus said, I must stay at your house. I can't stay at a poor person's house because they're not going to have enough food. I got 12 homies with me. They're not going to have enough room for my homies. And they're with me on this trip, on this journey, until I'm done. He's going to have plenty of wine and oil and all of those good things. So I, I must stay at your house. What am I trying to tell you? I'm trying to tell you you better get something. The scripture says, to him that hath more will be given. And to him that hath not, that which he seems to have will be taken away and given to another. You better get something. Hallelujah, anyway. All right, so he, he went to his house, powerful story. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. Uh, but when they saw it, he always got some folks who are going to see it, and they're going to see it their way. They all complain. They go to complain. They're saying he has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Well, did you not know you are a sinner too, my friend? My God. Let's just get that out of the house right now. Does anyone in here believe that they're not a sinner, saved by grace? Okay, great. We're in good shape. Once you know that, that removes that, that judgment spirit off of your life. You know how we sit back and it's so easy to talk about what other people are doing. They ain't right. Look at them. Full of the devil. You got all kind of skeletons in your closet. Jesus put it like this. He said, look, you're trying to get the speck out of somebody else's eye and you got a whole beam sticking out your eye. Pull that plank out of your eye so you can see clearly before you go looking for a speck in somebody else's eye. Oh, he's a sinner. He's going to be with him. Oh, he's not a man of God. I don't trust him. But look what happens, Pastor. I, I pastored a long time, man. I did missions a long time. And I tell you, I didn't been some places where I had to preach all day and all night, and they still wasn't hearing me. Matter of fact, Paul preached one night, preached all night. Young boy fell asleep, fell out the window, broke his neck. Paul went and got him, healed him, made him sit down and preach till the next morning. Hmm. Jesus didn't even preach. Jesus said, I must need to stay at your house. Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. Jesus turned and uh, said to him, today salvation has truly come to this house. Because he also, a son of Abraham, is the son of Abraham, for the man, the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus didn't preach one word, just the anointing, the presence. He said, oh, my God, I, I give half of my goods to the poor. And anyone I've wronged, I will return to them fourfold. Jesus said salvation truly came to this house. Get around blessed people. Get around blessed people, saints. Stop hanging around the people who are going to drain you. The minute you get your hands on a dime, they want a nickel. Come on, say man. As soon as you get your little apartment, they're trying to move in. And the landlord going to throw all y'all out. <laughs> Hallelujah. Go to John chapter 12. They will get you put out. 
you up in church. The Lord blessed me, Pastor. I got my house, got my apartment. Hallelujah. I'm blessed, Pastor. A month later, Pastor, pray for me. I'm standing in the need of prayer. I let my cousin come stay, and they set the man apartment on fire. People told me, do not come back. Because you're not getting connected to the right people. Oh, hallelujah. Pastor, it sounds like you're saying turn your back on people. That's not what I'm saying. You know, I was the area director of Boys and Girls Club in New Orleans, over three clubs. And I realized something. One of the kids, his name was, we called him Cootie. His name was Joseph Berryhill. One of my leaders. One of the guys who, when I needed something done, I said, Cootie, I need you to gather the guys together. We need to get this done. He came to me a senior year in high school. He and another guy named Travis. And said, Pastor, they called me PD back then, Pastor De- for Pastor Devin. PD, we just want to tell you this, man. We love you. We love what you've done here in this community for all the boys, all the kids. But we feel that you didn't give us enough time, enough attention. You were always concerned about the malcontents, the ones causing trouble. Had to think about that for a minute. Those malcontents, even though I sold a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of energy into them, a good majority of them, they just didn't turn out right. But the ones who were there and yearning for my attention, yearning for my love, gave me no problems. And I missed the opportunity to really sow into their lives. I learned that very young when I was a young minister. So when I became a pastor, and you'll see that in in my books, I write about that, is that the folks who are here, the folks who are connected to me, the folks who are yearning for my attention and pulling on the anointing that God placed on my life, that's where the bulk of my time and attention needs to go. All right, you can waste time if you want. All right, John 12, verse 2, it says, There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. The reason why it highlights that is, if y'all remember, Lazarus died. Jesus raised him from the grave. This is one of Jesus' closest friends. I mean, he was moved when he found out that his friend had died. We don't see any other illustration in scripture where Jesus became that emotional or experienced that type of emotion when Lazarus, his great friend, his close friend, died. Lazarus was rich too. He and his sister. Well, Lazarus one of those at a table, verse 3, then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, wiped his feet with her hair. Come on now, if you had some weave, you'd have to get down there. And mess your weave up to anoint his feet. Praise God. Hallelujah. She took that costly oil of spikenard, Elder. One illustration is, is it was worth one year's wages. She took a bottle of this fragrance worth one year's wages, poured it on him. See, when you pour, you can't do that. You're like, look, I got that Stetson cologne, and I got to hold on to that Stetson. I can't be pouring my Stetson on nobody in here. Oh, cheap stuff. One translation says that it was the, the fragrance went through the entire house. It changed the mood in the house, the fragrance did. See, the devil tries to take everything that God intended for good. He tries to make it evil. Y'all know what I'm talking about. A woman can put on a, a, a fragrance and it take you somewhere where you need not be. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> All right. So she anointed his feet and wiped them with the, with the hair. And the house is filled with the fragrance of all, verse 4. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, is always somebody in the crowd. When you're getting blessed, they just can't take you being blessed instead of just believing God for their blessing. 
Judas, the son of Simon, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box. He was a CPA, the money manager, stealing money. Our running back here with the Oakland Raiders, uh, he's with Dallas now. He, he's suing his uh, financial planner for $15 million. Stole his money. Darren McFadden. He had the money box, and he used to take what was put in it. Verse 7. But Jesus said, let her alone. She has kept this day for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not have always. He didn't say y'all poor. He said y'all going to have the poor with you always. But me, you do not have always. How do we know they weren't poor? They didn't have a poor mentality. Remember Jesus preached and he told them to feed the multitude. And they said, Lord, where are we going to go to buy enough food for all these people? They didn't say, oh, Lord, we have no money. We don't, what are we going to do? They said, no, we got the money, but where are we going to go? We're way out here in the desert. Where are we going to go to buy food for all these people? 20,000 plus people. I know y'all thought Jesus was poor. But he wasn't, nor was his disciples. Praise God. All right, let's go to number four. Number four is get a new attitude. Y'all remember that song? I got a new attitude. You need to get a new attitude. Look at your neighbor and say, get a new attitude. You know, your attitude will change your altitude. Your stinking thinking has got you sinking. <laughs> Praise God. I want you to go to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, verse 22. Mark chapter 2, verse 22 says, And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Or else the new wine burst the wineskins. The wine is spilled and the wineskins are ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins. You've got to get a new attitude, saints. If you want something new to happen in your life, you want to be progressive and move forward, you want to be an innovator, you've got to change the way you think. You've got to get a new attitude. Come into the house of the Lord with a new attitude. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. He said, I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praises shall continually be in my mouth. I love the fact that uh, he put all times in there. Because you know that sometimes you don't feel like praising God. But he said, all times. My God. When things are going well, I got to praise him. When things are not going so well, I still got to I got to go deep. I got to praise him. I got to let him know my attitude is right. The Lord is testing, probing, checking your attitude. He'll allow certain things to happen just to let you know where your attitude meter is at this or any given moment. Those who pass the test, they, they, they are conscious. They are mindful of their attitude meter. I got to be positive. I got to stay in the right frame of mind because God can visit at any time. That sounds like a rhyme. Get a new attitude, saints. Please change the way you think. You can't put that old, the new wine into those old wineskins. God is not going to give you anything new. He's not going to give you a new revelation, a new insight because the one he gave you before you did nothing with it. One thing he's not, he's not wasteful. My, 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 our God is not wasteful. Praise God. Stop being wasteful, saints. Write this down. John chapter 3, verse 30. Jesus said, or his, his cousin said, he must decrease, increase, but I must decrease. His cousin John, the Baptist, the one that Jesus said was the greatest man ever preach. He said he must increase but I must decrease. Get that pride off you, saints. You've got to decrease so the Father can increase on the inside of you. Get that pride off you. You ain't, you ain't about that. You ain't all that. Scripture says we are nothing without him. 
absolutely nothing without him. So let the Lord increase in you and you decrease. Last one, number five. Somebody say the last one. Say the last one. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I know y'all get tired and weary. I tell you, I've spent time on a mission field. I've, I've been in some interesting places around the world, and they have church all day. Two straight days. I'm not about that life, but I understand. <laughs> I got some stuff I got to do. I can't be in here two straight days. Hallelujah. They've been there all day, every day. Mm -mm. I love you, Lord. But I do want to see the warriors. Hallelujah. That's why God loved David so much. David was real with the Lord. David was like, Lord, kill my enemies. Kill them all. All right, number five. Get into worship. Look at your other neighbor say, get into worship. Last scripture I want to read, John chapter 4, verse 23 and 24. Get into worship. Get into worship. I worship you, Lord. And I lift my voice. I can't sing, but I can sing unto the Lord. Yes. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. That a sweet sound in your ear, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise him. Come on, give him a hand, praise. All right, John chapter 4, verse 23 says, But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. And that's something? He's not seeking all worshipers. He's not seeking all those who... Worship him with their mouth, but their heart is far from him, the scripture says. He's looking for the true worshipers, those who worship him in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. All right, the word spirit there in the Greek is the word pneuma, which means to worship. I love this definition. It means to worship in life and mind. I want to help you. Because sometimes we think the only time you worship is when you come to the house of the Lord or you have a house meeting or a prayer meeting. That's when we worship the Lord. Nah, what he was saying here is the true worshipers are those who worship them, him in their life and in their mind. If I'm a thousand miles away from the church house, I still worship him. I keep my mind set as a flint to worship the Lord. He's not looking for folks to come to church and worship him. That doesn't move him. What moves him is the person who worshipped him before they walked through that door. The person who worshipped him on Monday morning, the day after church, and said, my God, God is good. So he's looking for someone to worship him in their life and in their mind. Get that junk out of your mind. Because that junk in your mind is filling that place of worship in your mind. He's tired of you thinking about that stuff. Because you know he's up there, right? I hope you know he's in there. And he doesn't like that in there. It feels too much like competition. And nothing can compete with the Lord. Except in your mind. Oh, hallelujah. I could spend some time on that, but I'm going to let it go. Okay, the word truth here is the word Aletheia, I believe. Uh, you know, I'm not a, a Hebrew or Greek uh, theologian. But that word means not concealing. 
Oh, hallelujah. Stop that lying. Stop that concealing. Come on, wives. Stop concealing. Y'all ain't saying nothing here. Y'all know y'all concealing. Husbands, stop that concealing. Children, stop hiding stuff. We already know that you're hiding stuff. Worship him in truth. Stop concealing stuff. Praise God. Come on, smile for Jesus. Stand to your feet with me. Stand to your feet with me. I want you to hold your neighbor's hand. Hold your neighbor's hand. It's something we don't do very much of. And I understand why. Because a lot of people don't like to wash their hands. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's why you should carry you some of that antibacterial. What do you call that? Yeah, sanitizer. My brother know what I'm talking about. Sanitizer. Keep that sanitizer with you. Because you got dirty hands, people. Everywhere. But as the body of Christ, we need to touch and agree. We need to join together. When one hurts, we all hurt. When one is in despair, we all experience that despair. We are the body. Joined together, knitted together to perform this beautiful, wonderful task of preaching the gospel to all the world. Praise God. Father, we thank you today once again that every need is met. Everyone is blessed. We were blessed when we came in. We're blessed when we go out. We are the head, not the tail, set above only, never beneath. Never beneath. Hallelujah. Yes. The anointing destroys yokes. You have anointed us all. That anointing destroys yokes. The yoke, that prison spirit in our family. We destroy that yoke right now in Jesus' name. We bind that yoke. Right now in Jesus' name. No one in our families will go to jail again. Break that. Break that that jail spirit in the name of Jesus. We are the healed of the Lord. Let the healed of the Lord say so. Let the blessed of the Lord say so. We are healed. By your stripes we are healed. We speak to any sickness, disease, anything that's unlike Christ must leave in Jesus' name. Receive it. Receive your healing today in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Oh, blessed be his name. Blessed be his name. Because I'm healed. We are healed. We are the healed of the Lord. Oh, thank you, Father. We are not the sick trying to get healed. We are the healed that the enemy wants to make sick. Change the way we think. We are prosperous. Everything we touch prospers. Everywhere we go prospers. Everyone in our path prospers because of us. Scripture says that Isaac sold in the land. And he began to receive the hundredfold return of the Lord. Scripture says his wealth grew, continued to grow until it became very wealthy. Prosperous. Your people are prosperous. Saints, I want you to understand, you're not declaring your prosperity to live a lavish lifestyle. It takes money to fund the gospel. It takes money to build schools and clean water in Africa. And why not you be blessed to be a blessing to those in Africa? To those right here in the Bay Area. Praise God. That's why we're blessed to be a blessing. You are delivered, said the Lord. The Lord delivered you a long time ago. He's just waiting for you to catch up with your deliverance in your mind. You're delivered from whatever it is, that addiction. Oh, hallelujah. You are delivered, said the Lord. I speak that into your life. 
We are joined together. We are in agreement. The word of God is sealed, signed, and delivered today. That you are delivered. I am delivered. We are delivered, said the Lord. Hallelujah. Bless this man of God. Bless his wife. Bless his household. Scripture says, like priests, like people. Whatever's on the priests of the house will be on the people of God. The reason why God had Moses design this robe for him, it was woven a certain way. It had all these precious uh, uh, stones in it, diamonds and rubies and sapphire. He just, it was a magnificent robe because every time, don't get mad at the Pope. The Pope gets this from Aaron, the great high priest. Every time he went into the, the marketplace, people gave him money. Because they saw the wealth that God had placed on his life. Bless the man of God of this house. Use his people, Lord God, to take this house, to take his vision to the next dimension. Stop being a what I can see people. Be a dimensional people. We receive it in Jesus' name. Somebody shout amen. amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand praise. Praise God.